Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast, where we interview people from inside and outside recruitment to give you ideas to help you on your way to a million pound year. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller. Today, we're going to be interviewing Barry Cullen from Intro Protect. Barry's got some really great tips on how to protect your company and your income, most importantly, from clients and just in terms of also your own potential mistakes to make sure you protect yourself for getting paid in the long term for the work you do. So now over to me and Barry and talking about Intro Protect. Good day. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller podcast. Today we're in conversation with Barry Cullen, who's the founder and director of Intro Protect a legal firm that supports and specialises in, in working with recruitment consultants and recruitment companies in making sure that they get paid, frankly. So, Barry, turning over to you, just if you could give the audience a bit of a background to you and a bit of background to your company, that'd be great. And we'll- yeah, background to me. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so, I'm a failed recruiter, Adrian. I'm a failed recruiter. I was the photocopy boy at Huxley Associates back in the late 90s. A lot of recruiters don't know this, but there was a time before email. Yeah, if you wanted to mail shot out a CV, you literally had to come to me in the photocopy room and say, I'd like to send this CV to this list of managers. And it was my job to photocopy it, stuff it into envelopes uh, and post it out. If you laced my hand with silver, I might even hand deliver them for you around the city. Because getting the CVs out there first in yeah, a tight market was key, right? So me literally running it over to, to the office of this hiring manager, you know, that worked really well. Yeah. So that was my first foray into recruitment. Um, I, I had a bit of a falling out with one of the directors. Um, I got into student life pretty young, uh, pretty early. I had shoulder length hair and I got told to have a haircut. And that developed into a conversation about the women in the office all having longer hair than me, <laughs> which developed into a conversation about indirect sex discrimination, which developed into a job offer. You're not a photocopy boy anymore. You're a resource on the sales floor. I like the way you argue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Brilliant. Yeah, and then we'll next, thing you, yeah, next thing you know, a year of resourcing for Huxley Associates. A couple of my uh, managers left to run computer personnel. And then I got the nod about a week later. I think they're outside their restraints now. I was really 20 <laughs> odd years later. So I think we could, we could yeah, say this. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got, I got the nod. We'll make you 360. You come and work with us. So yeah, did that for three years or so. I was a C++ Java contract recruiter back in the heady days of .com. Okay. Uh, and then uh, when .com died, I became a year 2K testing recruiter overnight. And then 1st of January came around and the planes didn't fall out of the sky. Uh, the testing market died uh, yeah. and it very quickly became apparent that I'm a really <laughs> recruitment consultant. <laughs> <laughs> when you can't um, shoot fish in a barrel it becomes more difficult yeah 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 yeah. you know when basically when the removal guys came to the office and took the money making machine and took it <laughs> out of the office i was like yeah i've got problems now so i had to go off, and, go off and get what my mum calls a proper job <laughs> i went off went off to university and, and studied law and then when i left university and, and got my first training contract on my training contract all the phone calls were from recruitment consultants. Mm. So it was a bit like Goodfellas, you know, I thought I got out, but they dragged me back in. <laughs> you never let you go properly. You never let you no, go no, no. truly out of recruitment, are you? Let's face it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I spent years in private practice. And do you know what? I wasn't even doing fee disputes and debt work much back then. Uh, my main thing was post-employment restraint, you know, enforcing them, you know, the dark side of it. And then also the darker side of it, advising people on how to get away with it. 
because <laughs> I'm a duplicitous sod. Uh, so I'd happily advise either side of that equation. Yeah, so look, that's the potted background of me, which ultimately led to me going in-house. I was a uh, general counsellor at uh, Lawrence Harvey Group, uh, mm-hmm. which then became LHI Group during my time there. And on the side, as a side hustle, um, I set up Intro Protect. And you know what? Initially, that was just because I was still had clients calling me. Yeah. And I was like, well, I might as well make some money out of that at the same time. Yeah. Um, and that sort of started drilling down into debt work and fee dispute work more and more, because that was the sort of level of work I could take on comfortably while working uh, in-house at the same time. And that just got busier and busier and busier by accident. You know, people phone people and tell people about you, and that just got busier. Uh, yeah. So what, roll forward to July 2017? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had to hire my first full-time member of staff because that still, still side a, hustle. Still as a side hustle, but you have to... Yeah, it was a side hustle. I had to get a full-time member of staff and borrow a desk off a mate of mine who ran a recruitment company in Brighton for her to work at yeah. Yeah, because I was too busy. And then ironically, the idea was I'd hire her, Alison, wonderful Alison, who... Mm. Yeah, just wonderful Alison. She, yeah. She's got off and she works in the Ministry of Justice now. She's a She's a hero. The idea was I hire Alison, so I didn't have to do as much work. Yeah. Uh, oh, but unfortunately, okay. I hired Alison, which meant we got busier. <laughs> so then January 2018, I hired Joshua, so my first full-time qualified solicitor working for me. And I still had a, this was a, still a side hustle. At this point, I actually took out a lease on an office. Right? For your side I didn't work there. So I had two full-time members of staff running this business and I was running it in my lunch breaks and on the train to London and back every day, you know? Yeah. So that, that couldn't last forever. Right? So, so I left the wonderful LHI, uh, my mate Tom Glanfield left there in March, 2018. Uh, and since then we've just grown and grown and grown. There's 10 of us now. We're doing what we do, right? Making yeah. sure ultimately people get paid for their work. So what is it that you guys, so obviously intro protect and you've talked a bit about it there. So you're, but your work now, as I understand it, is very much focused on getting the agencies or the agencies' money in, if you like, in terms of the prices. Is that where you fit now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get the odd end hiring client asking us for a bit of advice. And then, funnily enough, that normally comes about because one of our recruitment clients gets approached by one of their clients to say, oh, we've got a problem. How do we sort this out? And then they get referred to us. But it's like once in a blue moon. But 99.9% of the time, we're acting for the recruiter to get them paid. Yeah. And whether that's us just giving some advice on it or whispering in their ear and telling them how to sort it out themselves so that the client doesn't even know there's a lawyer involved or us coming out into the open in quite a friendly and conciliatory, Mm -hmm. let's fix the problem way or for the really nefarious situations, you know, coming out all guns blazing, big red nuclear button, (laughs) let's go take the money out of their cold, dead hands. Uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, we did a whole nine yards. Whole, whole, whole thing. And how is the market? How's it been? I mean, how's COVID affected the? I mean, recruitment's obviously been struggling to a degree. Certainly in the beginning of last year, it was. But how is the sort of market from the point of view of getting people to pay and you know contracts being enforced, if you like? Yeah, well, look, there is no way of hiding from the fact that a global health pandemic and a major economic disaster is a good thing for a lawyer. Um, <laughs> You know, we first lockdown within six weeks of the first lockdown coming into play. The total 
fee revenue we were chasing, and that's a really key performance indicator for us, you know, the mm. total amount of money we're, uh, we're chasing down, that went up by 82% inside wow. six weeks. Um, and that was in part because end clients were on cost control. Yeah. So they were just turning off the taps and not paying. Yeah. Yeah. It was in part because it began a cultural shift towards people trying to get out of fees mm. more so. And then on the other side of the equation, it was because a lot of recruitment companies who can often run on a really cash tight margin, yeah. you know, um, they had to go on a cash offensive. They had to get in any money they could. So whereas before we'd have clients coming to us or recruiter clients coming to us saying, you know, this invoice is 60 days overdue. We're just starting to think about whether we should possibly talk to you. That's yeah. that shifted to this invoice will fall due in two days time. Can we instruct you now so that on day 15, you're going after the money, please? Yeah. I mean, I, I know fully well you're coming from on that. I've worked for agencies last year and it was absolutely, you know, all hands to the pump. And Andrew, in fact, you and I are both long enough in the tooth to have gone through these things before, and that's always the way, isn't it? Once a tightening of the belt happens, a recession happens, whether it's the one in, in 2000 and in the dot-com boom, or whether it was before that, you know, the first thing you need to do is protect and get in what you can as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, because the key thing is to survive, right? Yeah, exactly. The key thing is just to survive, Yeah, right? Absolutely to survive. And I nicked this off David Stone, MRL mm. uh, group down in Hove, and I think he nicked it off someone else, but I'm still going to credit to him anyway. And if, yeah. and if he wants to credit to that person, he can. But I love it. He said, the, uh, the strongest steel is forged in fire. Yeah. Yeah. Very, so yeah. if you survive a market like this, survive an economy like this, you'll come out the other side of it and you'll be ready just to rip through the market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, yeah. I've, I've talked on this podcast before with people who've been through these things before and who've been in ups and downs and, you know, there's, I, I use the analogy of surfing the wave. You know, you come out of these, uh, these recessions and it's, it, the crux is not to go too early because if you go too early, you're going to get buried by the way. So if you go big spending, if you try and lead the pack, sometimes you can get crushed. But if you can time it just right, riding these waves coming out, if you're in a good position to run it, it can be amazing. Coming back to the, your, sort of, your sort of business then and the sort of situation that you're in, how, I mean, if you're giving advice to your agencies, the ones you're working with, what is it that, for you that's crucial in the process? that allows them to avoid the issues at the end of it, if you like. The starting point is just do your job right. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many cases where somebody, agency side, has mm. screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that might be as simple as didn't bother sending terms. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Or they've agreed client-side terms client-side terms have a specific process to follow and they yeah. don't follow it. You know, yeah, so it yeah. might be something like, you know, bigger corporate, particularly if there's an RPO or an MSP in the way, um, you know, it might be you must use Taleo or you must use whatever portal to make introduction. Mm. And, if you, and it specifically says it in the contract. If you do not do this, mm. then we will not count it as an introduction and you will not get paid. Yeah. And then they email the CV to a hiring manager. And then they come to me and go, oh, I, I made this introduction. I'm like, well, no, you didn't. I'm like, well, I did. I'm like, no, no, no. You, you think you made an introduction because from a common sense perspective, 90% of your work, emailing a CV is an introduction on your term. Yeah. Right? But read the contract you've signed. Yeah. And the contract you signed says an introduction is the uploading of a CV to the portal. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter how else you do it. It's not an introduction. Yeah. And therefore the rest of it doesn't trigger. Yeah. yeah so you need to, yeah, you need to work with those contracts and make sure you're fully aware of what your responsibilities are as part of the deal you've signed up to. 100%. Before you start working and dealing with it. Because otherwise yeah, you're yeah, yeah. causing yourself the problem down the line. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's so frustrating as well to see so many agencies have that just wave terms through, sign them off approach. Mm. Yeah. You may not be able to negotiate, right? And that's fine. Right. Yeah. It might be that it's massive end client and they go, here's our 700 page document of our procurement and recruitment services. Don't mm. negotiate because you've got, yeah. a, you've got a choice. You sign it or you don't supply us. Mm. And if you make the decision to sign that, that's fine. Yeah. If you've made that decision to do it, but mm. read the bloody thing, read it, yeah. understand what you're agreeing to. Yeah. What process is in place to make sure your people are actually doing what you've agreed to do. Yeah. Yeah, because if they don't, you ain't going to get paid. And it doesn't matter how good I am or how many baseball bats I've got, you know, there's only so much I can do. How does your work split down in terms of permanent and contract business or interim business? Is, is, is your business mainly permanent side stuff or do you do the contract stuff as well? It's a fairly even split. We do it all. Right? Yeah. Anything that involves getting money out of a client's pocket into a recruiter's pocket, we do it. Yeah. Right? Sure. So that could be simple debt, you know. We've raised invoices. They're not disputing it, but they just haven't paid. Yeah. Now the, the won't pays. Then you've got the can't pays, mm-hmm. right? Where it's it's a slightly different ball game, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's the same end goal, right? Getting the money into the recruiter's pocket, and then it could be the fully disputed ones. And the fully disputed ones, there's, there's quite a range of them. You know, yeah. what you were just describing a minute ago, what most people will colloquially call a backdoor hire. You know, whether I like it or not, I, I now have the alliterative <laughs> nickname of backdoor Barry as a result. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to use that one in, in podcast until you brought it up. But you know, you it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I've leaned into it. I've leaned into it. So yeah. So so the outright backdoor hires mm. is one of the um, multi-agency disputes. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's not the client saying we're not going to pay. It's the client saying we're going to pay this agency, not that agency. Yeah. We get a lot of those types of disputes. Um, rebate disputes, obviously. You know, they were rubbish. I don't want to pay. Or yeah. they left after a week. I don't want to pay. You know, whatever it might be. You get a lot of that. We get some of, but less of, is arguments around fee levels. Okay. So yeah. we're willing to pay you, but we're not paying you that much. Yeah. Sometimes because it's an end client that's just chanting their arm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and they're just trying to renegotiate after the deal. Other times it's an argument against a calculation on REM versus salary. Mm. Often it's an argument around, oh, yes, they do have a bonus, but it's discretionary. Mm-hmm. therefore we're not paying on it you know all those sorts of things but again it all comes guess what it all comes back to it all comes back to the terms yeah right? and, and having, it, that, having that conversation with your client initially to make sure that you know what those things are going to be and how they're going to be focused because you say going to look like a bonus well you kind of know those going in or you probably will do so you know those sort of things going in but yeah the terms are going to be the crucial piece aren't they but do you know what the problem is what the problem is here when what you're sort of just touching on yeah and this is endemic in the industry mm-hmm. right it's we drive our industry based on short KPIs. Mm-hmm. How many jobs have you pulled today? How many CVs have you sent out today? How many interviews have you booked today? How many offers have you had? How many, and then eventually it becomes how many placements have you done? Mm-hmm. And, that, and how many placements have you done is in the average consultant by the end of it, right? But that mm-hmm. doesn't even then factor in, have they started? Has the invoice gone out? Has the money come in? Mm-hmm. Have we had to rebate it? 
You know, that's, that's post-deal. Most consultants don't even think about post-deal. But yeah. the problem with this is this, right? If you make everybody focus on how many jobs have I pulled, how many CVs have I sent out, yeah, they're going to push back problems. Mm. So like, you know, I know this deal isn't going to happen because, mm. yeah, because I haven't agreed terms. Yeah? Or if I have a terms conversation with my client now, they might not accept CVs off me. If they don't accept CVs off me, I can't hit that KPI. I've got to get a CV sent out. Yeah. yeah? So I, what I'll do is junior consultant, typically more junior consultants, right? I'll, I'll ignore the terms conversation, right? And I'll blunderbuss through the process and I'll make it work at the end. But ultimately, they don't make it work at the end. It all falls out of bed and I get a phone call to come in and sweep up, Yeah. which I'm happy to do. I'm expensive, so you'd rather just do the job right in the first place, yeah, and then don't never have to speak to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you're absolutely spot on with that. I mean, I've had this conversation so many times. The idea that KPIs are so much around that front end, you know, you, just to a base level, making calls to so you hit call stats, which are no use at all of making a call. And I, one of my first jobs in recruitment was with a guy, and he said, "Look, the deal's not done until we get the money in the bank. We not, we might not pay you on." collecting the debt, that might not be part of your actual day-to-day role, but your commission is effectively tied to that coming in. And we yeah. will call back. We will go hard on you. If we, if we don't get a deal done, if you write the deal up and it doesn't come in, I mean, my first clients were all MOD and government business, and it was kind of gold-plated. Once you got the contract, it was click where the money came out. But there were a lot of people in my company, I was working at Escom at the time, who worked in the telco sector, and we got hit some hard ones with people. They, and it was, it was things like, not having conversations about withholding tax internationally and suddenly having this contract written, I've placed a person on making £50 a day margin and then suddenly realising that at least 30 40% of that was coming off as withholding tax. They weren't going to pay yeah. it, not even just that, but off the whole stupid numbers, be paying the guy £1,000 a day and, and the withholding tax is 30%, they're going to hold £300 of that daily rate back as well. well and on that, on that one, right, it's, it's people not knowing their market. Yeah. Right? So a lot of the desert states, if you will, Right, you've got to prepay the tax before the yeah. money's allowed to leave the country. Yeah. A lot of junior consultants or people that have sort of hobbied into a market, they don't know that. Yeah. And they also don't know that you've got to pay a local agent for the stamp. Yeah. You know, so before you know it, you've prepaid the tax and paid ten thousand whatever yeah. currency for the stamp, and before you know it, you've just paid to do a deal. It's yeah. <laughs> great on paper, but yeah, exactly. There's no much or no money in it. So from your point of view, when you're talking to to consultants or to agencies, when you're working with the agencies, what are your what are your tips to somebody? Obviously, you know, we've talked a bit about this, but what are your tips to people before to avoid coming to you at the end of the process? How do you work to try and get people to make it better at the start end of the process? Well, first off, humans are where the problems come in. Yeah. Right? The more responsibility you can take off a human Mm. to follow process, the more likely the process is to be followed. Right? So a decent CRM or ATS which forces terms to go out with CVs, yeah. yeah? Or a decent CRM or ATS, which will allow you to brand up your CVs and have a forced disclaimer into the header of the CV, for example. Mm. This yeah, CV yeah. is presented on the basis of our terms and conditions, which are available here with a link to your terms. You know, stuff like that, yeah? so that your terms are front and center. Yeah? So it's very clear that that happens. Yeah. Yeah? And then recording, recording, recording stuff. You know, look, we all know a few consultants, and they're often the best, who don't even know how to log into the ATS. <laughs> I've got my hand up to that one, yeah. I've been, I've, been, yeah. I've been known to do that in the past. But they are few and far between, right? Yeah. They are few and far between, right? 
Um, they're like your, you know, your, your top six prem footballer striker type approach, right? Where you're like, I'll let you get away with it because you made me so much money, right? <laughs> but the other thousand people in your business, 500 people in your business, whatever it is, right? They need to follow a proper process. So they need to be recording stuff on the ATF, right? They need to be getting the evidence built up. Because when it comes to me, right, bearing in mind, if it comes to me, it might have been a three months before the invoice is due, from deal being done, the you know, notice period starting, invoicing going out, invoice being due, you know, three months till that point, then it might be another couple of months of internal credit control. You could be five, six months down the line mm. before I get a phone call to come and fix it. Right? Okay. I come along to try and fix it, you know. If it's quick, it's within a week or so, great. If it's slow and it becomes a fully contested case that goes through an 18-month court process, yeah, you could be two years further down the line before a judge is making a decision on a case, right? And if you're two years further down the line, do you have any idea what the average employment period is for a consultant at an agency? I say less, less than two years. I would say it's going to be less than two years, right? So we're going to be standing in front of a judge Standing in front of a judge, right? at the moment that we're giving our evidence, we're like, oh, that consultant left last month. Yeah. And they didn't put any of it on the CRM. Yeah. Right. So where's my evidence? Yeah. So CRM, 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 driving everything back to the CRM is really important. Really mm. important. But then one other really important tip, and this, this is something which is misunderstood so much, right, is this. If you do the first bit right, your terms are out. Yeah. Your CV's gone across. It's all recorded on the CRM. Aren't you a wonderful human? Um, they ask to interview your candidate. Excellent. It's all going well so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They interview the candidate. It's the hiring manager interviews the candidate. They come back and say, they're great. We'd like to invite them to a second interview. So I'm going to just introduce HR to this process now. Right? And I can see consultants around the country with their, their, their cold sweat being the period on their brow. Yeah. HR. <laughs> right? and so HR get brought into the conversation. Right? And then the immortal phrase comes out from the consultant. It'll be something like, who do I have to agree terms with? Or I know we haven't got our terms agreed. Or shall we negotiate terms? It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You sent your terms. They interviewed your candidate. They've accepted your terms. Yeah. Right? Stop inviting a negotiation at that point. Yeah? And if they come to you and say terms haven't been agreed, yeah, or we need to negotiate terms, your response is simple. It's our terms have been accepted by interviewing our candidate. Mm. But we are, of course, willing to look at renegotiating. Yeah. Right? And that's so important. Those two letters, yeah. Yeah, R-E, renegotiating, so important. Right. Because to you, you know, doing the business day to day, it makes a little difference negotiating, renegotiating. Who cares? Right? Mm. But to the lawyers and the judges, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. Because if you have yet to negotiate terms, that means there's no contract to a lawyer. Yeah. And if there is no contract, there is no fee to a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah? Whereas if you're renegotiating and you're unable to agree terms with a job or procurement or legal or whoever it is, the default position is that you had already agreed your terms because you yeah. sent them and they interviewed. So the default position is, oh, well, we couldn't make it work. Not a problem at all. Oh, you hired him. Terribly sorry, yeah. but you're going to have to pay the piper now, pal, because yeah. uh, you danced to my tune. Yeah. Yeah? But if you're doing that whole, oh, who do I need, need to negotiate? You're just causing me a problem further down the line. And I don't need more problems. No. 
again, comes back to the idea of the consultant, the the person that's doing the job being perhaps not strong enough to be able to just say, look, I'm, this is the position and almost wanting to step over themselves to, to avoid losing a deal for the KPI situation. Yeah. Although actually, oh, well, I'll, okay, I'll talk with HR and we'll maybe get, negotiate a fee now. Well, yeah. 100%. So I've got a case in point right now. I won't name the parties, obviously, client yeah. confidentiality, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, major high street bank. Right, let's let's yeah. get that close. Major high street bank, consultant approaches, finds there's a lead, uh, approaches hiring manager, uh, gets buy-in from hiring manager, sends terms over, uh, gets asked to send CVs, sends, like there's four or five jobs there, right? Four or five contract roles on. Uh, they send 12 CVs, 15 CVs. They run an interview process. It's all going great guns. Hiring manager says, look, this is the ones we want to take forward to the next stage. I'm going to have to bring HR in. You know, so it's the same, same yeah. story. Need to bring HR in. HR isn't HR. HR is one of our hallowed overlords. Sorry, I mean RPOs. Um, right? <laughs> RPO comes in and goes, you're not on the list. Right? Oh, right. That, as far as they're concerned, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah, right? yeah. You're not on the list. Yeah? Um, thankfully, they came to me at that point. Yeah. I went, what do we do? Whatever you do, don't talk about negotiating terms. Yeah. Right? So, so look, we're willing to talk to you about becoming a supplier as an alternative to the terms that we've already got agreed. Yeah? And we yeah. tried that, right? So we set it down, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Nobody thought anything of it, right? As far as we were concerned, they'd moved on to their own supplier base. They weren't going to speak to these candidates. Yeah? Done. Yeah. Forget about it. Anyway, yeah. six months later, find out four of the candidates have been hired. Yeah? They come back to me, they've hired them. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. Let's get our invoices done. There's 240 grand's worth of invoices. Wow. Yeah? 240 grand's worth of invoices. Lawyers come back really quickly. Terms weren't agreed. Mm, yes, they were. Mm, no, they weren't. You tried to negotiate, it fell apart. Yeah, but look at the words, pal. We yeah. were renegotiating because we'd agreed terms already into a case where they think they're right. They've already offered best part of 100 grand. Right. <laughs> And they will be paying the rest. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> negotiation with me involves pay what you owe or get run over by the train. <laughs> but that, that's the case in point. So you're talking now quarter of a million pounds, yep. the two letters in the terms of negotiation versus renegotiation, that's going to save or get make that agency quarter of a million quid. Or um, nothing. Or yeah, nothing. Two yeah. It's the difference between a, well, a stellar year for a consultant, because most consultants at 250 will be cock-a-hoop, and... Out the door, see you later. No, no bills on the on the board type scenario. Yeah, it's although crazy. remember that thing about consultants leaving? It's a stellar year for the house account because they're oh, yeah, yeah. long gone. <laughs> <laughs> really gone. But, but I mean, is the value of that, and that's the kind of when talking to these consultants and when people hopefully listening to the podcast, you know that those two little letters make so much of a difference when you're trying to get down to that that end of the year and getting those money. And it's amazing just the kind of difference between hundred percent. And then listen. Uh, so then, can I talk about another bit? Yeah, of people often yeah, screw up. Right, people often screw this but up. Consultant finds out the candidate who they had out of interview is now working for client. Age old story, you know, it's yeah. a bit like boy meets girl, but in recruitment, right? So they find out that's happened, and their response is this generally, right? They pick up the phone to the candidate and go, "Can't believe you've just done that to me." Yeah, yeah? I worked really hard to get you that job, and you've cut me out of it. Right? Yeah. There we go. Candidate entirely alienated. Right? <laughs> yeah. They don't care. They're like, oh, that's a bit over yeah. the top. Out you go. I'm not helping you at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then they bang an invoice over to the client and say, 
pay this within seven days or we'll sue you. So there we go. Client in trenches, client goes to lawyers. You've now got a fight on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas call to candidate, mate, so delighted you got that job. I knew it was the right one for you. Yeah. yeah. Worked so hard. Good stuff. Delighted you got it. How'd it come about, mate? Yeah. Yeah. They're an information source now. Yeah. They feel a little bit guilty because they know. Yeah. Right. And they're willing to feed you information. Right. And they're filling in the dots. Right. For the rest of the story. Yeah. yeah. An approach to the client could be, hey, client, delighted you got this guy on board. Yeah. Because I knew when you gave me that job spec and I worked the market and provide you that shortlist and ran those interview processes for you. I knew this was the person that should get the job. Can we have a quick chat about how it came about though, please? Yeah. Yeah. Because again, you're not, in, you're not accusing anybody of anything. Yeah. It's just a, let's have a conversation. Let's be grown yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone realizes these things can happen. Yeah. And then the problem is this, right? There's a big red nuclear button, right? But once you press it, it's mm. very difficult to de-escalate from that. Yeah. Right? And that's why the Cold War has worked relatively well for such a long period of time, because nobody's actually ever hit it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if the Russians hit it, the US hit it, everybody else hits it, and boom, everything's over. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you don't hit it and you just incrementally escalate, yeah, that is a much better way to get a quicker outcome and ultimately keep the client, get paid, and keep the client. That's the goal, right? You pay for your work and don't piss off the client. Yeah. And I had a scenario way back when now, probably because I've been doing contract mainly for a long time now, so the firm side of things hasn't been as big for me, but I had a situation similar to that probably, well, I was running my own company, so it was probably seven or eight years ago now, and we actually built off the back of it. We had one of those situations. We'd done all the work. We got the candidate in. We found out a couple of months later that one of my guys did that the person had gone in and actually ended up starting there, the company. And exactly that process, put to the phone to my effectively the guy I've been dealing with at the client, had a decent conversation with them, said, look, you know, this is just probably a problem. It's probably been an issue here, but we did all this. Here's all the work we did. Here's the bits and pieces. And here, you know, we now know he's working for you. You know, I'm not trying to bang around the bush here. We feel we've done what we said we'd do and we put this person in. I think we do a fee. And the client, oh, I think we end up finding him through a different route in the end, but all those sort of usual kind of responses and things like that. But there's some sort of actually ended up to a degree, I wrote off that fee because it's my own company, I could, based on the fact that I said, look, all we want to do is work with you. And I said, well, we've got all these other roles coming up. How about, they obviously felt a bit guilty. They went, how about if we put some of these stuff to you on an exclusive basis, you work with this on these roles and we'll we'll go forward. There was a kind of bit in the back of my mind, and I'm sure you're aware, the kind of idea of, like, they've done me once, I'm not going to do them again. But actually, fair play to them. We put five or six guys in but off the back of that and they were they were good as well. And we ended up doing quite a bit of business with them over the years. So that idea of the big red button, you automatically, emotion gets involved and you go, oh, they, they've screwed me out of money. They've taken me up money. It's like, well, you've got, as you say, de-escalated and just go in there with a bit more of a, a mature view on it. But if you do it properly, you can, you can get the fear and, you, and or you can build the client up again if you want. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? The proportion of these which are nefarious wrongers mm. going out of their way to try to rip off recruitment consultants. Yeah. The reality is most clients are pretty shit at recruitment. Yeah. They don't know where the candidate came from. So, yeah. you know, you'll introduce the candidate, you'll arrange an interview, the LinkedIn algorithm five weeks later will say, hey, here's a person you might want to connect with. And they'll go, yeah. oh yeah, I remember them. Connect. Yeah. A couple of months later, there's a new job. They're like, oh, I remember I, I met a person. They were good. Yeah. Who were they? 
oh, I've got them on LinkedIn. Bam, let's connect with them. Yeah, yeah. They just don't remember how they knew them. Yeah. You know? It's not an intentional, let's go out of our way. You need to do everything you can do yeah, to make sure the client remembers you and remembers your involvement. Branding yeah. up your CVs, actually following up. The yeah. amount of things we see where people, you know, great candidates have been put forward and there's hardly any follow-up. The problem there is mail shots don't happen in a post room anymore. You hit one button and the CV goes to 5,000 hiring managers. Yeah. Good luck ever knowing where they ended up. Yeah. You know, because it's um, almost impossible to follow up. And there is still a lot of that CV sending where you go, I've got this great guy, I'm going to send it to them, and you haven't got any terms. You're just sending them out to somebody with a sort of idea of, I'm going to market the perfect candidate, but you're doing it with the full knowledge of the CV. And then two months later, when that candidate gets placed in that client that you thought they were perfect for, you're suddenly going, why are they not paying me a fee? Well, because you had no conversation with them about terms. You had nothing going setting up. You just sent them a... You sent them a lead to a candidate, and lo and behold, they find 100%. them on LinkedIn or wherever they, they can so the find tip them. There, the tip there is this, right? Still use MailShot, mm. right? There is nothing wrong with MailShot. They are a great tool within the recruitment space, right? Still use them. Fine-tune them slightly. Yeah. Yeah? Don't send the CV, right? If that candidate is worth taking to market, yeah. Yeah, they're worth taking to market in a slightly more considered way, right? Mm. So a short, snappy, summary where mm. you don't provide enough information to identify who the candidate is yeah but you provide enough information to get the client salivating so that they go oh i want yeah. that i want yeah. that but when you send that summary out have your terms attached to that yeah yeah because your terms are attached front and center here's a summary of the person i'm representing if you are interested please let me know and i can arrange to send a full cv to you client comes mm. back and says oh yes please for the cv guess what just accepted your terms. Yeah. Yeah. And have actually invited you to send the CV. And in this GDPR compliant world, that's a much more comfortable place to be anyway, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Rather than blitzing this person's CV with their, you know, their date of birth, the names of their referees, their blood type, their national insurance number, you know, across the world. Yeah. It's like just chill out a little bit. And that's, you know, that job takes 15, 20 minutes maybe to pull together if you're, you know, if you're so inclined. And then you can use that same process for five or six clients and, and you're protecting yourself, you're protecting your candidate and you're looking like a decent, you know, if you can do that head sort of strategy doc, that document well, you're going to look like a really good, you know your market, here you go, here are the hot buttons I know you guys like and this is why 100%. this person or this lady or this fit those perfectly. There you go. And wait, yeah. for, the, wait for the phone to ring. Yeah, exactly just on that, right. Just on that note, just link to that because it came into mind and it's one of my questions that I want to ask you today was, where do we stand in the recruitment market re signed terms, i.e. physically somebody's put pen to paper or do a legal e-sign or something like that currently, I suppose, is the best, another way, versus sending over a set of terms and them not having been signed by anybody at the client end? Because that's always a question I get asked, whether you know a set of unsigned terms, in essence, are still valid. Yeah, I hate this lawyer's answer, but it depends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it uh, depends, uh, but I'll give you what it depends on. If your contract says, this contract is not binding until it has been signed by both parties, then guess what? It's not binding until it's been signed by both parties. Yeah. Right? If your contract is either silent on that mm -hmm. or has deeming provisions in it, yeah. Yeah, then you're fine. Yeah? What yeah. the key things are, sufficiency of notice. Did you hide the terms in the micro dot of the I in your email signature? Yeah. Yeah? Or were they openly attached? Or somewhere in the body of the email, did you expressly say, you know, our terms are available on request or our terms are available at this web link or whatever it is. Don't yeah. be scared of your terms. 
Mm. Right? And this is part of the problem, right? A lot of people are scared of their terms, right? They see them as an obstacle to doing business. Mm. Whereas in reality, they should be a tool, right? Yeah. And so don't be scared of the terms. Sufficiency of notice. Yeah, that's really key. Yeah? Yeah. Then either very clear express acceptance or conduct that amounts to acceptance. Right. So, hello, Brian. Here's a summary of a candidate. Our terms are attached. If you'd like us to make the introduction, it will be on the basis of our terms. Yeah. I'm being really over the top here. You're never going to yeah, say it that yeah, way. Sure. But you know, that, that's what you do. Brian comes back. Yes, please. You send the CV. That's a contract. No problem yeah. at all. No problem at all. Yeah? yeah. But just don't offer to negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I mean, that is simple because it is, and you say it's, it's making that process as simple as possible, but as cast iron as possible, and then protecting yourself as you go forward with things like renegotiation and yeah. making sure you've got all the data and the information there for, as you say, from a company point of view. It's, a, it's beholden on you, I suppose, as a company to make sure people are doing that stuff right in the databases so that you can protect Get yourself. Because ultimately, it's the money that's going to come in is to the company. Because as we both know, the consultant might have ended up somewhere else by then. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the other thing, we, we talked about this before, and I, I struggled to mention it, but it is, it is one of those things that you have to get over. The fundamental is we both know, and everybody in your sector knows, the companies you just want to avoid like plague. And it's oh, like, 100%. Yeah, there are companies out there that you can, with a little bit of research, you know, just aren't going to play ball. And it's the companies that you kind of end up, I'm sure you'll have them, where people go, oh, it's this company, it's X company, and you go, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I'll take it on, but not contingent. Because yeah. <laughs> they ain't going to pay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, again, knowing your market, right? Don't be a hobbyist. Yeah. Don't dip in and out of market. Know what you do. Do it well. Yeah. And simple, making some research around where those clients are and who they are. And this, this information's out there now. It's not like it's, a, it's difficult to find. You can do, I mean, you can do basic credit searches on people, but you can find, there's all sorts of places to find this information if you really want to go and look for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also, this is a fun game, right? Particularly knowing who your client is, right? And what I don't mean by that, you know, it's Rachel or it's Bob or whoever it is, yeah. right? Or it's this business name, but knowing the actual identity of the legal entity that you're doing business with. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And here's a, here's a fun game. Here's a fun game. Um, if anyone that's listening to this, grab five people off your sales floor. Grab 10 people off your sales floor. Yeah? Sit them in a room and just ask them, who do you work for? Write down <laughs> who you work for. Yeah. yeah. Just write it down. And I tell you, they'll give you trading styles. They'll give you trading divisions. They'll give you what they think is the name. So few of them will actually give you the proper company name of the company that actually employs them. Yeah. They just won't know. Yeah. And if they don't even know who they work for, how are they going to figure out who they're actually supplying into? Very true. So, 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 so often, so often we'll be instructed on a case and they'll be like, here's our terms, here's the invoices, here's all the other stuff. And we're like, okay, great. Um, so in the terms, you've called them Joe Bloggs Limited. On the invoice, you've called them uh, John Smith Limited. You know? And uh, it's just, it's not joined up. Yeah. You know? Just that little simple bit of due diligence mm. on who you're dealing with and do it as early as possible, particularly yeah. if you're on contract, right? Because oh, if you're on perm and you don't get paid, now ah, well, you didn't get your revenue. <laughs> it's a nightmare. You want your money, but you didn't get your revenue. On contract, let's say you got, you know, average 20% margin. Obviously, you don't work in the UK anymore. Uh, <laughs> average 20% margin, right? And on contract, and, they, and you get stiffed for 100 grand. Not only have you lost 20 grand of revenue, you've actually paid out 80 grand to contractors. So it's actually oh. digging a hole for yourself, all because nobody bothered to credit check and nobody bothered to figure out who the legal entity is and nobody bothered to do all the other stuff that goes with it.
No. I mean, that's been run into me since day one of the contract world because it's the crucial piece, as you say. It's not like perm business where you've just got, you've got 10 grand, you've lost 10 grand. Yeah. If you do 10 grand, if you do 10 grand on the permit contract business, you, you effectively, in the current market, you're only getting 1,500 quid of that. So 8,000 yeah. pounds of that is out the door to the contractor. So the only person that's getting hit is the agency. So it's even worse in that market. So I think, I think it was, I might get the name wrong, but I think it was Mike Smith, uh, Huxley, when a consultant used to go to him with a contract to sign off, he'd say, happy to sign it. I'm going to read it first. Mm. Yeah. Every mistake costs you 20 quid. Do you really? want me to read it now? Yeah. And they'd go, no, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd go off and, you know, and they'd check it, right? And then they'd come back and it was right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a nice little thing. Right? You need to make your consultants understand the importance of it. Yeah. And need to make them to understand why it matters to get those details right, mm. you know, and ultimately make it sound in their pocket if yeah. it isn't. No, absolutely. And that sounds like the perfect position to, to end it on because I think that's, that's a crucial message for everybody out there. So, Barry, I want to thank you very much for today's time and effort you put into today. It's been brilliant. And I think there's a lot of stuff in there that people can take away and can listen to and some really sound advice that, you know, frankly, as we said before the podcast, we don't want people calling you ideally. There's, as the end of the day, you'd rather not exist, but you do because there are problems out there. I'm, I'm a necessary, I'm a necessary evil. Yeah. yeah, doing certain small things around the process and getting that integrate ingrained to the individuals in the company just makes the job of yours a lot easier and hopefully makes you a little bit more defunct in due course. But yeah, I can't wait to retire. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, Barry, thank you again for your take time. Well, the people can find you LinkedIn and, and website. Yeah, LinkedIn. Oddly, you can even you can actually search backdoor Barry on LinkedIn, and I'm the I'm the only one that comes up apparently. I've just got don't my own hashtag. Google. Yeah, just, LinkedIn, own... just make sure it's not good. Oh, don't do a Google image search. Don't do a Google <laughs> image search, and it's definitely not work safe, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, Barry Cullen, Intro Protect. You can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, or any good place. search engine. <laughs> Great stuff, Barry. Thank you very much for that. That's brilliant. So I hope you enjoyed that today. I think it was really useful and gave us some really great insights into what to do and probably what not to do. And as you can tell from Barry, it starts right at the start of the process. So I hope you've taken something from that. Thank you for listening to the Million Pound Biller podcast. If you've liked this podcast, please give us a like and a rating on your podcast platform so that others can find us. You can find me at Million Pound Biller or adrian-mansfield.com. And I'll be looking forward to reaching out to you over the next few days and hopefully interacting with you about this podcast. Until next time, enjoy the journey.